Hi, I'm Beck. And I'm Paul. And this is DVD Clutter. Uh, welcome back, everybody, for another week of DVD Clutter. Yes, and isn't it good this week after Easter that COVID-19 is well and truly done? <laughs> Paul. We're, we're, all, we're teaching back at school. Beck and I are sitting next to each other right now. In case you don't know, we are recording this early, so please don't take Paul's words as gospel. He doesn't know, he has no more insight than you. He doesn't have any connections to higher government that have told him something secret. He's making it up. Yep, I made that all up. We are still remotely recording. Yes, we are. I've got a beautiful bookcase behind me. You do. I have everything white. My God, mm. that must be so boring for you. There's a plant. Oh yeah, there's a plant. How how wonderful. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like my room is the minimalist dream that you're aiming for by decluttering all your DVDs. It is. That's what I want my DVD room to look like afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing but white walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't see the mess. It's you know just off to the side, but don't worry about that. Guess what we're talking about today? Um, I could guess because I know, and also people have probably seen the description of the episode. That's true. Here it is, though, in the flesh. The 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow-led Emma. Gwyneth Paltrow. She is Emma. She plays the titular character. Based on the novel by Jane Austen. That's correct. Based on the novel by the beloved Jane Austen. My all-time fave, hands down. Yeah, and it's, yeah... It's got all the all the classic Jane Austen bits and bobs. And that's it. I was going to say um, this is our second Jane Austen adaptation, which it is of Emma. Yeah, it's a, but it's our second Emma adaptation. You're right. It is. Yeah. So I and I couldn't help when I was watching it. I just was comparing it to Clueless the whole time. I know. Did you do that? Oh, very much so. Yeah, it was interesting to that comparison. So, shall I talk about how I got this DVD? Yeah, I think so. I think it's time for that. Um, I can't remember, to be honest, how okay. I how this DVD ended up in my collection. I really don't know. I have nothing for you. I've never loved Emma. It's not one of my favourite movies. It's not one of my favourite books. I don't even own the book. But somehow, I have the DVD. <laughs> that is kooky. And I'm sure as we get further into my DVD collection, people will see how common that is to happen. Yeah, I think everyone understands that. Yeah, maybe someone gave it to me thinking I would like it because of my, you know, obsession with Pride and Prejudice. Mm. I don't, I really don't know. Maybe I bought it because I thought I would like it. I feel like it, it's still got that, like, real sticky marks on it from where there's been some kind of sale. Oh, yeah. Sticker. So I'm thinking it was probably, you know, $10 or something like that. And I just went, oh, yeah. From Sanity. Yeah, I think so. Sounds about right. Sounds right. But, you know, as you know, I've got a long and passionate relationship with Jane Austen and we will come to doing Pride and Prejudice in the next little while, I'm sure, as well. But I love her work and, you know, most adaptations of hers are pretty good. And this is another one. Yes. Yeah, so had, had you watched the movie before this viewing? Yes, definitely. Okay. I can't tell you if it's more than once or if it was only once, but I've definitely seen it before. I didn't have, like, super fond memories of it. I remember thinking... It's just a bit bland, and I kind of feel the same after watching it again. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. There's no, there was nothing, like, standout about it, and there was nothing that was so terrible. No. I found it pretty relaxing, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. that whole Regency England 
vibe. Like just being back in Jane Austen's world, I find very, very relaxing. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice is my go-to when I'm stressed or anxious or when I need to escape. And I feel like it really gave me those uh, good vibes, which was lovely. I felt very like soothed while I watched it. But I, I probably wouldn't rave about it. I did make some notes. Well, you've already gone to your review. I've given oh, the yeah, plot breakdown yet. <laughs> yeah. no, fair enough. It is easy to get carried away with. But I'll, I'll we'll give a quick plot breakdown. And if you know the book Emma, it sticks to it pretty well, I think. I don't know. I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. But also, if you've seen Clueless, it sticks to that pretty well. <laughs> yeah. All the, all the, you know, the beats are there. Yeah. In a slightly different order. But, you know, they're there. They are. Anyway, it starts with this wedding between uh, Miss Taylor and Mr. Weston. And we meet Emma Woodhouse. She's very excited because Miss Taylor was her governess. And she feels like that she was like the matchmaker in getting her together with Mr. Weston. Yep. And she's really excited. Um, uh, Emma's played by Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way. Yes. Um, She's super excited. She's like, I want to get more of this matchmaking thing going on. Yeah, very pleased with herself. That's it. Her family friend, George Knightley... Played by someone. Yes. Unfortunately, his career didn't take off. No. Played by Jeremy Northam. He's like, really, you shouldn't be doing this matchmaking stuff. Cut it out. But she's like, nah, I'm totally into it. And the next person I'm going to be matchmaking is, of course... My new best friend. Harriet Smith. My new, Yeah, my new bestie, Harriet Smith. Uh, who's played by a very young Tony Collette. Yeah. And Tony Collette... Oh, Harriet is... um. Very much in love with uh, a farmer by the name of Martin, played by Edward Woodall, and um, yeah, a respectable farmer. Yeah, and but not to Emma's standard. No, and Emma's like, nah, no way. You got to marry up. It's all about marrying up. And she tries to set her up. And because she, Harriet Smith, has no like connections in the world. She's an orphan. She's been raised by mm. somebody as like a a ward, and so you know, Emma's like, come on, we got to get her up there. Yeah, so she, so Emma tries to set Harriet up with Mr. Elton, played by Alan Cumming. So she's pushing them together, pushing them together. She thinks it's working, but turns out Mr. Elton was actually has fallen for Emma. Mm-hmm. And Emma's like, nah, no way, you totally got this wrong. I am not into you. And he gets all, like, annoyed about it and um, goes off to Bath. Mm-hmm. To find another wife. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And, um, if you don't Emma's, want me, I'll get another one. Emma feels a bit bad because she's like, oh, no, I've totally let down Harriet by trying to get her with this guy. Well, yeah, she really encouraged Harriet to fall in love with this guy. Yeah, so that's sort of the first part of the movie. Meanwhile, in the background, you've been hearing about Mr. Weston's son coming to town, Frank Churchill. And then suddenly, when Emma is stuck in the floods... Who should come in but Frank Churchill himself, Ewan McGregor. With long hair. With with long, beautiful hair. Who helps her out of the floods. <laughs> and they frolic around a bit. And she thinks, maybe I'm in love with Frank Churchill. But anyway. He's, hmm, he's, he's a bit of a flirt. He, like, turns it on for her. Yeah. But he's got to go back to see his auntie. So he's like, we'll see how that goes. We should say that Frank Churchill is the son of, or the stepson of her friend the governess who she just married off successfully yeah Yeah. so it's everyone kind of thinks oh these two would be a a great couple that's it meanwhile while he's gone there's sort of rumors going around that george knightley is dating jane fairfax 
who is this cousin of someone. Yeah, unclear who she belongs to, but she's staying with the Bateses, who yeah. are Mr. And, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mrs. and Miss, so a mother and daughter who live together in relative poverty. I mean, not real poverty, but like com- compared to Emma. And Emma finds them quite trying, but is quite nice yes. to them. Yes, except for one moment when she's a real bitch. Oh, I said the bitch word. Yeah. She's a real piece of work. That's it. Well, then uh, Frank Churchill comes back and they're all having lunch. And yeah, Emma's real mean to Miss Bates. And then George Knightley Knightley's just goes off. like, you shouldn't do what that. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, you've changed, Everyone looks man. Up to you've you. changed. So then it really gets her to question. She's like, oh, maybe actually I've loved Knightley all along. Yeah, I mean, there's a few other bits and bobs between. Oh, that, yeah. And that realisation, like, but sure. Because, that's because yeah, they have this dance and Knightley kindly dances with Harriet and then Harriet thinks that... He likes her. Yeah, that yeah, he likes her. But anyway, em- Emma ends up with Knightley and Harriet ends up with Martin and it's all happy. Who she, or, she originally wanted, was really in love with, but was only persuaded yeah. by Emma. Yeah, that's That he it. was beneath her. And, and everyone ends up real happy. Yeah, and Emma grows and learns that you shouldn't meddle in others' affairs or, you know, just have some sense when you're encouraging an affection. And, yeah, super pleasant throughout, like, just comforting. As in the... Yeah. The movie. Very comforting. Oh, geez. So, I'll let you know, Elizabeth absolutely loves Emma, the book. Ah, cool. Yeah, when she went to France, she brought that book with her and read it, like, six times. Totally loves the book. Yep. I don't think she'd seen this adaptation, but um, yeah, was very keen. Had she seen his... other adaptations? Uh, she'd seen Clueless. <laughs> There's a lot of adaptations of Emma, I didn't realise. Yeah, but no, look, we watched it on Friday night. It was just the perfect Friday night movie, you know, sat there, had a glass of wine. It was just great. Mm. Yeah, you feel like you could do some cross-stitching while you watch. Oh, yeah. Slow-paced, but like still interesting. I didn't find it boring. I, well, it was just like... No, not at all. Yeah. It was like it was like the comfort food of film, I really felt. It was. Yeah, definitely. Sorry to jump into your re- review there, but I feel like we just agree on this one wholeheartedly. Yeah, we'll just end it here, shall we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, it. Yeah, like, like I said yeah. at the start, I feel like it's just... I mean, I don't know when I'm talking about this, I don't know whether I'm talking about MR or... I mean, I, I don't know whether I'm talking about the book or the, the movie... But I think the movie does stay pretty faithful to the book. And like all of Jane Austen's books, it has that perfect mixture of romance, satire, you know, a character who changes over the course of the story, misunderstandings, like, you know, intrigues and misunderstandings and Mm -hmm. gossip, you know, all the quintessential kind of Jane Austen things. And they're all here in Emma. Um, And I think this film does a pretty good job of bringing those to light that's it it does a really good job of it actually too because i think it doesn't spend too much time on anything to make it to make it boring i feel like a lot of period adaptations get too bogged down in all sorts of things whether it be like one of the dancers goes on for too long or whether you know there's too much Mm, they like want to prove that they've done their they want to prove they've done their historical research that's it too much gazing on the costumes or the sets or yeah you know, the, the scenery, where this one, it just, it tells the story in, in an incredibly pleasant way. Yeah. There was definitely a couple things that I, that irked me. Okay. Gwyneth Paltrow, like, I'm not a huge fan of her, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not a hater. Like, she's fine. I like her in some, 
Oh, her the personal side of things weird. is very strange. In fact, yeah. I just watched a YouTube clip the other day about her. She's got a vagina-scented candle ah. that she's just released on Goop. Wonderful. <laughs> but her vagina, it's what her vagina smells like. I, so why? there's that. I don't know. Maybe she's like, we've got to normalize the smell of vagina. Well, normalize the smell of my specific vagina. <laughs> my, specifically my one. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's 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 an interesting character in real life. I don't know a whole lot about her except for the Goop website and her. I've heard some bad things about her saying that, you know, it's not that her because her recipe books and stuff, I think they use quite expensive ingredients and she's said some kind of very blind sided things about people being able to afford ingredients yeah, and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, and she's had some bits of like putting up um health tips that just aren't at all like scientifically based or, or useful yeah so yeah she does that but also she does iron man yeah you know yeah yeah and she was she was good in that as the pots lady yeah miss <laughs> is that what her name is yeah. mrs potts <laughs> miss potts miss potts so not so she's like the teapot before the teapot got married well yeah because then she gets married from to, beauty and the beast to, to, to mr stark to tony stark and then she that's when she turns into the teapot. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I finally understand the Iron Man series. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, she has some real exaggerated sad faces, like right at the start as well. Like I know that Emma is an unlikable character. She's meant to be an unlikable character. She's meant to be like an anti-hero almost. And we're meant to kind of know that her meddling is not good and is not like, you know, we're meant to kind of feel a bit of like uh, about her at the start. And that's where the joy comes from her growth and yeah. and turning it around. But she had some really exaggerated like lookaways. I don't know what you call it when she'd like look away and then, you know, have yeah. a close up of her face just being like, oh, I'm secretly actually really pining to be in love myself or... You know, there was a, a real... I felt like it was trying too hard to make her likeable. Yeah. Or sympathetic. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you needed that. I think you just rely on the fact that we know she's going to learn and we know she's going to, you know, turn it around. We know she's going to get her comeuppance in certain ways. So I wish I wish they hadn't done that so much and I would have liked that, the balancing act of her and Knightley's relationship where he's kind of saying, you know, you've got to grow up a bit, I guess, and, and you've got to... Your actions have consequences um, with her kind of foibles. And the other thing I didn't love about this version, which I'm, this is now I'm comparing it to Clueless. So I don't even know if I'm going from the book, but I didn't love that. I feel like in Clueless, it kind of felt a bit more even because the brother in Clueless, even though, or the stepbrother, yeah. I should say, let's not call him, <laughs> let's not call him brother. The stepbrother in Clueless, who is the equivalent Mr. Knightley in the book and in this adaptation, in Clueless, he is also shown as being judgmental. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's there's an equal part of him who, or not maybe not equal, but there is an element of him in Clueless, an element of his character that is yeah, equal equally as judgmental as Cher is, who's the Emma yeah. character. And, you know, who he also learns that he shouldn't judge people. Yeah. So there's a there's that part of him that is not included in this adaptation and i don't know if it's included in the book even but where you know in this it's like he's always right and he's teaching emma how to be a good person whereas in clueless it's like he is also judgmental yeah and has flaws and he's also learning stuff from Cher as she learns from him so 
I don't know. But I don't know if that's a problem with the movie. Maybe they were just being really faithful to the book. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. Because there there's also that imbalance of age between them, which, you know, he's 15 years or 16 years yeah. older than her. He was 16 when she was born. And they, they make a point of a that, too. a family friend of someone. Yeah. They do. Yeah, they do. And they have this really uh, a lovely nuanced line where they go, we're definitely not brother and sister. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Well, no, that, I found that'd be really creepy because he's like, yes, definitely not brother. Just the way he leaves that line, <laughs> yes. just like, ugh. Yes, definitely yeah. not. Yeah, in fact, when we were watching it, we Elizabeth and I joked, we were like, do you think the director was like, do you want to try that again? Just be less creepy? And the actor being like, no, nah, we're good. Wrap. <laughs> <laughs> they call me One Take Sam. <laughs> no, I don't know what his name is. I forget his name again. <laughs> I got a couple of lines that I loved that definitely came from Jane Austen's writing. And one of them is when she says to... So Emma says this to Harriet Smith, who... Harriet Smith is, like, a little bit more innocent, I guess. She's a little bit more naive. Yeah, Brittany Murphy and Clueless. She's not as worldly. She's Brittany Murphy and Clueless, thanks. (laughs) And she says... Emma's like, I'm never going to get married. And then Harriet says, oh, but you don't want to end up an old maid. And then Emma has this great line where she says, it is only poverty that makes celibacy contemptible. A single woman of good fortune will always be respected. Yeah. Classic Austin and there, you like know, that. like, She's, yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's like funny, funny, gossip, gossip, satire. Yeah. Ha ha. That was brilliant. Um, I really like and that. And I think you really see that, the clever writing also in that they've kept in this adaptation, like they did in Clueless, I guess, to the internal monologues. And I thought some of them were just yes. absolutely fantastic of sort of what Emma's thinking. Yes, there's that great bit where she says um, something like, well, clearly he's in love with me yeah. <laughs> about Frank Churchill and she's like writing in her diary. Yeah. That was very good. That, I think that captured her little conceited nature quite well. Yeah, I, I just thought the way that they put them into the film really helped keep the tone of Austin in it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's hard. I mean, yeah, I, I would struggle to, to make a, a written work into a visual, like it's it's a written medium into a visual medium because you do lose some of that closeness with the characters sometimes. And I feel like there's some books that work really well visually and there's some books that I feel like you're so close with the character, you get to hear what they're thinking, you get to feel what they're thinking. It's hard to capture that visually. So that's why I think people still rely on narration. And Yeah. But I also think this film did a couple of other things that, that helped keep the tone of the book alive. And one of it was just, I thought, the really fun way it was shot. There's a couple of moments that were just excellent. And it was sort of a repeated motif where there'd be a big dramatic statement. So there'd be a, a dialogue between two characters, two characters, as the camera spins around. Then it would go past a pillar or past a um, hanging branch or past something. And then it would focus on one character as they'd drop a truth bomb. Yeah. And it was just sort of like this build with the camera movement that happens. It happens one time um, when they're out picking apples, one time in the greenhouse to think of two. But it was just this repeated motif that I'm just like, whoever's making this is having a lot of fun. Like they're really, mm. they're, they're taking in every, every aspect, I think, of the film yep. production with that really playful tone. Yeah. That's a scene that makes me think, that, that makes me think of is when her and her father are sitting by the fire and you actually can't see her and then she like, <laughs> pops forwards really fast. Yes. Um, that was, I thought, I like, quite liked that, that little shot, that little setup was nice. Yeah. Um, in, in that, in that segment that um, Beck's talking about there, she's waiting for an invite to this party from um, people that she deems oh, yeah. lower than her. And she sort of keeps having yes. this talk about how, 
Oh, you know, I'm probably not invited because, you know, they're, they're so much lower They'll than They'll know I have to refuse. Yes, but, you know, it's just her waiting. And it's just, again, keeps with that playful tone. It does. That I think, think makes the film, yeah, as enjoyable as it is. The only other thing I have was... <laughs> She's, I mean, Jane Austen is a master at writing ridiculous characters. Yeah. And, um, I mean, Mrs. Bates in this, or Miss Bates, yeah. sorry, is, is one of the ridiculous characters where she's just completely over the top, like blabbermouth, can't stop talking, talks over the top of people. A real, you know, would be very uh, tiring to be around her. But the other character, which just made me think, it, it, the guy who falls in love with Emma, who she's trying to set up with Harriet, her friend, He's a clergyman. Yeah. And the quintessential ridiculous Jane Austen character for me is Mr. Collins uh-huh. in yep. Pride and Prejudice, who is also a clergyman. And there's this almost a mirrored scene where the clergyman proposes to the main character. So in this it was Emma, but in uh, Pride and Prejudice, obviously, it's Elizabeth. And they both get proposed to by a clergyman who yep. makes these advances in a very awkward not very sophisticated way. A complete lack of tact. And is rejected. Complete lack of yeah. tact. That's exactly right. I just wonder, like, why did she hate clergymen so much? <laughs> <laughs> I think their their authority, especially when she was writing, would have been something to really, you know, a lot of joy in Poke taking that down. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, gosh, she must really, she's really got it in for them. Mm. And Alan Cumming displays Mr. Elton so well and it's a different sort of role than i think you see from alan Cumming. a lot of the time he's very much the over the top the vivacious yeah sort of character and this is very straight laced and it's just that one scene sort of that monologue that he gets while he is proposing that you sort of see this sort of flare of kookiness sort of come out of um mm. you know mm. what harriet no think, no yeah <laughs> yeah and I think that serves the character so well. I think he did such a good job in this. I was so impressed with him mm. because he is completely, like, completely subdued, I guess, and, like, this very, you know, he barely, I mean, he. it's obvious to some people that he's got a thing for Emma, but, I mean, I don't completely blame her for not realising. No. And then to go to this, he's like, I've been holding it in this whole time, you know, it's like that's finally kind of exploded out of him. Yeah. And it is nice to see. Yeah, it was. I think Alan Cumming did a great job in that role. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I noted down was just looking at all these stars. Well, you know, maybe not super big Hollywood stars, <laughs> but people that have become fantastic char- well known now. character actors, especially. Um, seeing them in these, yeah. in these roles, talking mainly about Alan Cumming and Tony Collette, and yeah. just seeing sort of that brilliance at such a, a great age, because both of them, I think, just get, get their character expertly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it for me. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. I guess Tony Collette's performance really leads into that in that I feel like... Because Clueless came after this, right? This came out a year after Clueless. Oh, wow. I believe. Oh, let me just double check. Well, either way, I just I just found... Um, yeah, yeah. This came out one year after. Tony Collette's performance and Brittany Murphy's performance just paralleled so well. It was like they'd you know, been working, working together on the character because it was just so... Yeah. And I guess they're both based off the same source material, but just to see them reflect each other so well. There's that one scene um, in Emma where... So Emma's feeling bad because it didn't work out with Mr. Elton and Harriet, and she's showing Harriet this full room full of puppies to try and get her mind off it. And she picks up one of the puppies and gives it to Harriet, and Harriet starts crying because she's like, Mr. Elton had brown eyes. Yeah, so good. Um, And it was just excellent, but also at that very moment... 
Elizabeth and I just turned to each other and started singing "Rollin' with the Homies" because <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah, it was that moment. Just that's that was their thing from from uh, Brittany Murphy's character and the Elton equivalent. Yeah, Clueless. And and you see it again with the later on when um Harriet wants to burn her memories of Mr. Elton. It's exactly yeah, yeah exactly in Clueless. Same same. I mean, you could do you could do a sync up like we talked about last week. They someone's done a, a sync up between the IT crowd American versus British version. I feel like you could do that with Clueless and and this film. Yeah, I think watching this made Clueless make more sense because there's that bit in Clueless that I've always sort of hated, where um, he's got a photo that Cher took in his locker of Brittany Murphy's character, and he's like, "Yeah, but you took the photo." And I'm always like, that's yeah. stupid. But then in this one, like to see it of the, but you painted the portrait. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I mean, oh, it makes sense now. Even as, as a critique of, of Emma, the, the book or the source material, I mean, it is a stretch, isn't it? To, to want, I mean, maybe not for a picture. Yeah. For a painting. Because it is your artistic. But it is a, it is artistic, but it is also a painting of a particular person. So there's a very fine, like, that mix-up is pretty acceptable. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, add, it adds to the comedy of it. But I was just so glad to see that bit because I was like, oh, Explained. now I get why they do that in Clueless because <laughs> it just seemed stupid before. Have you seen this movie before? No. Have you read the book? No. No. So, um, so your only reference for Emma is Clueless. Is Clueless. Yes. <laughs> I thought we should compare. What do you think? Which one's a better one? Yeah, like, what? how would you kind of put them together? Well, I, they work great as companion pieces because they do share the source material so well and, I guess, put it through a different lens, but you can still clearly see the, the same story beats. Yeah. I mean, Clueless is always going to be an all-time classic, whereas this, this one might... Well, it was more easily forgotten, I guess. Yeah. But I was very pleasantly surprised in how, as I said, comforting this was. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say it was comforting, actually, because I thought maybe it was just my association with watching the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice, because that's been such a kind of stalwart in my emotional life. So I was, I'm interested to hear that you said it was comforting as well. Yeah, it really was. And I think especially in sort of the, not to always bring it back to the times we're living in at the moment, but in the times we're living in at the moment, it was... <laughs> I thought you just said everything was fine. <laughs> So you mean two weeks in the future, it won't be fine? Oh, my God. Yes. But, like, yeah, in I, I really got that feeling because everyone talks about watching stuff or playing games or whatever to to escape. I re- really did get that sort of sense of, of escape in it that it was. Yes. It was other people's problems, but it wasn't other people's problems that you felt heavy on your chest. It was other pre- people's mm-hmm. sort of frolics and you can just go, oh, yeah. oh, oh, um, and really yes. forget the world yeah. for two hours. Yeah, I completely agree. It was like another time, another place. It was just completely transported to this whole other sphere, like another social circle that we're not, I will never be a part of that kind of like elite gossipy whatever. Um, I don't even know if that exists anymore. But yeah, yeah, just so different to what our lives are. And you also knew that it was going to be a happy ending. True. That's very relaxing. And even more so like, because like there's even not really like, apart from, Maybe, maybe Mr. Elton, but not really. There's no real bad guys in it too, so it's well, not like his, even... His wife, when he finally gets married, his wife is meant to be the kind of evil character. And she's, like, fucking annoying, to be fair, but she's only in it for about 15 minutes, thank God. If she was in it for longer, I'd be pretty annoyed. That's it. And I also, I just thought she was 
excellent. Um, Julia Stevenson, um, I thought she played it excellently because, again, it was just, it was sort of comforting in the way that you know people like that. You know people exactly like that. And they're not altogether bad people. Mm, yes. But, oh, God, it is just, it is it is trying it's to so spend irritating. too much time with them. Yes, very irksome. So, basically, her her character trait for everyone listening is that someone will give her a compliment and she, she always goes, oh, well, I, I'd never say that about myself. But several people have said that about me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I'd <laughs> never call myself a good cook but my friends would and even just the way that she worked with alan cumming in that any time that he tried to speak <laughs> she'd cut him off like two words in and then yep. he'd just sort of even if you just watch his face it's just perfect he sort of does the sort of um look down of oh, oh yep yeah no that's fine like yep. you know, like yeah no that wasn't i wasn't trying to speak or anything so um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's another classic jane austen character like you see the same characters yeah. in the the bingley sisters in pride and prejudice so Yes. Oh, and that that bit where she says to Emma, you should take your father to Bath. It will make him a lot better. And then Emma goes, we've tried that. It doesn't work. And then she just goes, not will. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yes. (laughs) I literally cannot hear your, what you're saying. Like I'm, I'm a one track mind. And yeah. Oh, just, just absolutely brilliant. How about, how about you? How do you find comparing it to Clueless? Yeah. I think I prefer Clueless, obviously. Is that obvious? I think I prefer Clueless. I feel yeah. like, like you said, like this one's, it's kind of forgettable. Like it will probably just drift into the the memory. Yeah. I don't think it had as much kind of, I don't know, vivacity or spark as Clueless does. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was, there's something about that remake that is just so kind of alive and, and maybe it is because it's a, in a modern era. I'm not sure. I think they had to, they had to work harder with it to put it into a modern era as well. So I think it made them sort of add that extra level of thought to it where this one was a straight adaptation they probably didn't have to have to try as hard yeah that's very true because they had to with clueless they had to write witty dialogue that is jane austen-esque but is spoken in a modern tone yeah the modern syntax so i think yeah where this one they could just read the read the book um out loud which look i'm not against that i i love I love a good uh, audiobook. <laughs> oh, yeah. Add some visuals, it's fun. <laughs> Another moment I really loved, Ewan McGregor is just fantastic as Churchill. Churchill is just this character that is just, again, you, you know you know them from real life. He's just a wanker that shows off all the time. And they're nice, they're charming, they're good company, but can just be trying. And there's this scene where people are singing songs with the piano and he just gets up and starts singing along and then spends the rest of the night singing. Yeah, <laughs> like, just wants to show n- off a little bit. Yeah. yeah, that's just it. Just wants, wants it to be the Churchill oh show all God. the time. And he just like... <laughs> he's like that guy who gets out the guitar at a party. <laughs> he is. He's just, he is that guy. Just perfectly. <laughs> and it, all the way to his like luscious golden hair. Um, so he would actually... Like when he listens to this episode, he'll be so pleased to hear you say that because it's actually his least favorite role that he's ever played really yeah well i mean that was maybe 10 years ago in an interview so he's done plenty of roles since then so maybe he hates another one worse but at the time of the interview he hated the role even that that time when he was in star wars episode two and just like (laughs) wait what year was that 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 would have been early 2000s okay well the interview was in 2003 so okay so he's probably started the glow of being in a star wars (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, he said it was his his least favorite. He said it, he didn't say anything bad about the movie. He just said he was terrible in it. Mm. Yeah, but I didn't think he was bad. 
No, I didn't think he was bad either. I thought he played that character very well. The only annoying thing I found about the him and also the guy who played Knightley was they seemed to be, and I don't know if it was like the aspect ratio on my TV or it, maybe it was the costuming, but the men seemed to be like, I mean, you can't see me as you're listening, but I'm showing Paul. I'm like hunching my shoulders up and pulling my neck down. They seemed to be very like constricted. Oh, it was something to do with that neckwear they had, Yeah, I thought. But it doesn't have to be like yeah. that. I don't, I don't think so, no. No, uh, maybe they were being too faithful to the Regency era, <laughs> you know, yeah. costuming. Yeah, but they weren't ready to for the um, uncomfortable clothes. That's I was right. just looking at um, Jeremy Northam, who played Knightley. Yeah. And he's had a really long career. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's done a lot of stage stuff, but also like a lot of British drama. And it, apparently he's on The Crown. Oh, cool. He plays Anthony Eden. Great. I don't know who that is. And so, I've not watched The Crown. But I'm sure that's Oh, great. but everyone's watching The Crown. So they'll, they'll, um, they'll, know. they'll enjoy that, our listeners. I'm glad because I'm going to say something controversial. And yeah. I'm also saying this as a lady who has a, a bigish nose. Yeah. Oh, you thought his <laughs> snoz was too big. It, I was, it was really distracting. I, I think you should probably cut this out because... I, I'm going to sound like an absolute asshole, but it was really distracting. Did you did you think that? I didn't think it. I'm looking at it now and it is pretty big. These days he's grown a beard, which really sort of balances out his face. <laughs> I mean, a woman would never be a leading lady if she had that schnoz, is all I'm saying. Fair enough. Well, don't you agree? Uh, yeah, probably. I thought he did a, a good job, though. Oh, yeah, he was fine. He was good. But, yeah, you're right. The nose is... The nose, looking at it now, it is very large. <laughs> Great actor, so- huge nose. <laughs> That's so bad. I can't... Oh, my God. I'm such a hypocrite. My reputation's going to be tarnished forever. No, not forever. Just a little while. <laughs> just, just a couple of weeks. Yes. So, it, the DVD has a couple of special features. Obviously, it's an old movie, so it wasn't made in the time when they knew special features were going to be a thing. So, I'll list the special features for you. Get ready. Special features. Number one, scene selection. Number two trailer <gasps> number three wow. cast and crew biographies number four production notes oh yeah so as you can see not a, not a great not a great selection to go from um but i did have a look at the, yep. the cast and crew biographies obviously oh, yeah. scene selection we all know what that is i watched the trailer yep as well production notes i didn't look at because i know I, i've just i've been burned before you know there's just going to be some writing yep. on a screen i'm not interested yeah but i looked Hurts at your eyes yeah exactly I looked at the cast and crew biographies and the weirdest thing is that on some of them it had a biography of the character and on some of them it had a it had a biography of the actor. Oh, that is brilliant. It was so weird. I was like I was trying to flick through really awkwardly because it's so I mean god, it's so awkward. Um, yeah, it is not intuitive at all. This is not intuitive and yeah, it was really strange. I was like, man, they really messed up this DVD specials thing. They did not yeah. understand the purpose. I think they were just like, quick, slap something together. One person got given the memo yeah. that it was going to be about the cast. Another person got given the memo it was about the characters. I don't know yeah. what happened. <laughs> that is just brilliant, That's though. That's pretty funny. I, lo- I love that. That just goes <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. Or they... They sent out a memo to the agents of all the actors and the ones that got back, they put up and then the ones that didn't, they put up the character bio. It does look like that because on the character bio, there's like two lines and then on the actor, on one of the actor ones, there's like six pages, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty funny. 
Um, I'm glad you watched them, though. Yeah, I'm glad I watched uh, Well, I didn't really watch because there was nothing to watch, but I flicked through them. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it. So, we'll, we'll talk about the fact... This was a Miramax release, um, which was the, the Weinstein's company, Bob and Harvey Weinstein. Um, Who were Harvey they? Weinstein, no, just kidding. <laughs> as we, we know, is is a terrible man that did a lot of terrible things, and, unfortunately, one of the terrible things was very much associated with this movie, and it was him forcing himself on Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? I didn't actually know this. Yeah, so it was during this, and she was 22 at the time, which is just awful. He um, asked her to give him a massage and what seemed like his normal MO and stuff. Yeah. And then she said no and got out of it, and then she told Brad Pitt, who was her boyfriend at the time, and then apparently Harvey just went off at her because she's like, you can't ever tell anyone about this sort of stuff. When I have stuff, it's between you and me. Yeah, really gross. So she's come out and talked about that as part of the whole recent allegations. Yeah, and apparently, like, it was one of the ones that she'd told people but off the record for a long time, and it wasn't sort of till the ball really got rolling that she felt comfortable. Coming forward. Yeah, coming forward. So that was during the filming, or...? Um, actually, it was just just before shooting began, so just before it, it started. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so awful to think of someone who has the power that Weinstein has is this in this kind of industry taking advantage of someone else. And I, yeah, I, I just I have no words. I mean, I know that people in powerful positions all over the place take advantage of people who are vulnerable or who you know need them for some reason or who you know he obviously wields a lot of power in the film industry and she's an up-and-coming actress what what is her position there what what hope does she have who's going to believe her if she speaks out at that particular time her career will be completely devastated it's just such a, yeah. a challenging thing for what well, it's just an awful thing for someone to do and and such a, a challenging thing for someone to go through as the victim and i think you can tell his his kind of the, well, just an example of the power that he has is that they took this film to him with the script and he decided that he liked it and he liked Gwyneth Paltrow for for the role of Emma, but he wanted her to do another film first. So he kind of had this whole control yeah. over her whole career because he was saying, yes, you can do Emma, but you have to do this first. It's disgusting. That's it. And you can see the way that he sets up that power balance too by yeah, giving her those opportunities yeah. and sort of forcing the way that they work out. Yeah. Just awful. And um, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't listened to it yet to listen to the Ronan Farrow Catch and Kill podcast, which outlines his investigation into Weinstein and just the awful stuff this man did. Oh, that sounds really interesting. And why it's so good that he's now in being found guilty. Yeah. And hopefully we'll rot in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It is really interesting. We we did a little bit of investigation into the Me Too movement for with my Year 12 media students, and it was really interesting just, you know, hearing some interviews with actresses who had been on set, you know, pre and post Me Too, and there is, I mean, I obviously haven't had this experience, but there is by all accounts like a, a really palpable difference between how you are treated as an actress pre Me Too and post Me Too. And oh, that demand and that, that fight for respect. I think just one of the, the changes that I've noticed is that productions now do have intimacy coaches, which is just such a such a brilliant idea to really guide... Make people feel comfortable. Make people feel comfortable and have someone who is responsible for it too, someone to go to and someone that can brief people and... Wait, by an intimacy coach, do you mean someone who coaches them on how to have sex Yeah, well, on that, TV? Not just sex, but be intimate. So just, you know, like... They're the one to facilitate that conversation with, okay, this scene involves a kiss, you know, 
yeah what's comfortable with people and what what are we going to ah, do let's have a let's have an adult so interesting conversation about it rather than sort of have someone of power to sort of jump on and be like oh it's heat of the moment acting i was you know that's why i started yeah touching you like really start to kind of like that the blooper that we saw in 10 things i hate about you when heath ledger jumps on julia styles yeah someone to say that's not okay that's not part of it yeah Mm, that's great yeah i think that's really obvious and hopefully things are changing for the better and i know things aren't completely fixed we can't you know say um sexual harassment's finished now we're all done done. congratulations everyone there's still a lot of progress to be made but it's good to see things moving in the right direction yes 100 percent. and i think yeah there's yeah like you said there's more to be done in a lot of different aspects in terms of um, discrimination against all sorts of minority groups and yeah we just got to keep fighting the good fight oh yeah holding people to account going yes. on rants when we're upset about things yeah and doing podcasts that's right <laughs> we're all doing our bit <laughs> yes um speaking of podcasts i think we're coming to the end of this episode yes so you have to make a decision I do. Um, uh, um, I think this is going to go to the op shop. Fair enough. When I'm allowed to leave my house again. In a weird way, and we'll speak about that in a second. Okay. <laughs> in a weird way, I kind of feel like similar vibes for you as it was for me with Day After Tomorrow. That I, I get mm. a sort of a comforting vibe from that film, but it's not so much that film specifically, but that just that type of film. Mm. And I felt comfortable getting rid of it because I know that I'm always going to be able to find that type of film, whether it be that one specifically or just something else. Yeah. Uh, I felt like a similar vibe. And to be honest, I felt that sort of comfort from this too and felt a similar sort of like, oh, yeah, if I'm in the mood for it, I could definitely chuck this on again, but I'm not ever going to be like, man, I really need to see Emma right now. Where did you watch it? Because I didn't give – I've got the DVD. I didn't pass that over to you. Where? Oh, how did you watch it? It's on it stand. The end? Oh, it's on stand. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Yeah, I think, you know, it's not one of my Austin faves. I can't even remember how I got it. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair It's fair enough to say goodbye. Yeah. But I hope, you know, I hope someone else gets some joy out of it. Speaking of other people getting joy out of it, because at the moment we can't actually go to op shops, I've just got my yes. collection of DVDs stacking up. So I just thought I'd put out the call. If anyone yes. wants that copy and is happy to pay for postage of any of the DVDs that I've got rid of. Send us an email to the Gmail, so that's dvdclutter at gmail.com. And yeah, I can hook you up. Yeah, look, same for me. If you want this copy of Emma. Yeah. I'll make sure I put the DVD back in it and I don't I don't just leave it in the DVD player. Why not? That's a great idea. That's it. I'll, I'll take a photo of the ones that I've got stacked up there and um, put it on the socials. And yeah, if people want them, just email us. Sounds great. Well, I think that's it from us. Please, please come back next week um, when we're going to be doing a something that is sure to get you up off your feet, shake off those lockdown blues. A wap bamboo bap, a wap bamboo. Grease. <laughs> yes. A, um, a, a movie that I'm sure when we look through a critical lens will not be problematic at all, right? I'm taking off my critical glasses for that viewing. I'm going in blind. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see it, Paul. I don't want to see it. So watch and sing I'm along. going to enjoy. Yes, watch and sing along and then uh, listen to us as we sing along because I'm sure we'll sing. Oh, yeah. 
As always, please rate, review and subscribe via your preferred listening platform. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Um, You can contact us on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at... DVD Clutter. That is... D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. Got it down to a fine art now. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and tell your friends to listen. Yeah. You know, you're bored at home, trying to do your work from home. I don't know. Yeah. What's what's life? What's this life? (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. The titular character. It's got the word tit in it. Yes, it sure does.